to the main message portion of our service today. And we'll get out our Bibles and turn to 2 Thessalonians, Paul's letter to the church at Thessalonica. And the title of the message today is, Should We Make Resolutions? This is the time of year when uh, so many people try to make resolutions, to try to improve their lives. Well, I guess you can make resolutions for good or for bad, too. <laughs> Somebody can say, well, I resolve this year to go out to uh, Las Vegas at least once a month and, you know, get my gambling in. <laughs> or, or I res resolve to do this or I resolve to do that. Mostly people try to resolve things or make resolutions for the better. In fact, the three most common resolutions, New Year's resolutions that people make are to lose weight. <laughs> That's kind of universal, I think, for everybody. To stop smoking, to get out of debt. Those are the top three every year. And uh, we've all had experiences with making New Year's resolutions. Unfortunately, in most cases, they don't last very long. You have great expectations about how you want to change your life, but uh, after a while, you kind of fall back into old habits. You know, to resolve, or resolve means a firm determination to do or to not do something. That's where re resolution comes from, the word resolve. I resolve to do this. I feel strong about this. I want to make changes. A resolution is the course of action that you've decided or determined upon. So when you make a New Year's resolution, you kind of visualize, this is how I want to change my life, how I want to improve. At the start of the new year, people plan to improve their lives. My question is, should Christians make resolutions, whether it be at the start of a new year or any other time in their life? And if they should make resolutions, how do they make resolutions? And I was surprised that there's a passage in the Bible that really hits this question right on the head. And I want to discuss it with you today. We're going to look here at 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, and we're going to look at verses 11 and 12. But as we do that, let's, let's ask God's help. Heavenly Father, uh, we pray as we open our Bibles today that you open our minds, take the, the blinders off our eyes, and to really take your word to heart. Let's all take it personally today and ask ourselves the questions. To make a resolution, what should we change about ourselves? What needs to be changed? God, help us to see and to understand what you would have us change about ourselves. And we know that you're going to help us to do that. So thank you, Father, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Thank you. <laughs> from the choir over there. <laughs> you know, so many people fail in making changes in their lives because they don't invite God into the resolution. They don't seek God's help. They're doing it all on their own strength, and that's why so often the vast majority of people who try to make changes in their lives fail. But we have God nearby. We have God who has a heart for us and would encourage us to make changes in our lives for the better. I'm going to read through these two verses and then we'll come back and take it apart piece by piece. 
Paul is talking to the church, the Thessalonians here, and he says, with this in mind, we constantly pray for you, talking to the church members, that our God may count you worthy of his calling, and that by his power, he may fulfill every good purpose of yours and every act prompted by your faith. We pray this so that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ be glorified in you and you in him, according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul starts off by saying, we constantly pray for you. So this is not a self-help passage. It's not people or church members kind of pulling themselves up by their own bootstraps to make themselves a better person. Right from the start, Paul reminds them that we're seeking God's help in this matter. <clears throat> and that's a key that so many people today miss out on, involving God. So people who don't know God try to fix themselves without God's involvement, and they often fail. Instead, we, as God's children, want to be Holy Spirit-led people and look to God for success in whatever we set out to do in our own personal lives. So he says, we pr constantly pray for you that our God may count you, or another translation is, make you worthy of his calling. Now, he's not saying that somehow we are worth God's calling, because we're not. <laughs> he's not saying that we become deserving of God's calling. God's calling us to salvation in Jesus Christ is a gift. Don't forget that. It's based on God's grace. It is God who makes us worthy of our calling, not us. Hold your place there, and we'll turn back here to Ephesians 2 and verse 8, a scripture we should all know very well. Ephesians 2 and verse 8 says this, For it is by grace you have been saved. And what is grace? It is unmerited pardon, undeserved pardon. Salvation and our calling is a gift to us by God. So we're never worthy of it. Uh, we're not deserving of it. it. Is an outright gift from God. So it's by grace you've been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. We're not saved by works so that no one can boast. We're God's workmanship. So back here to 2 Thessalonians now. So what is Paul saying? That God may count you or that God may make you worthy of his calling. Now there's a couple of other times that Paul used this same phrase. Let's turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 12. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 12. He's talking to the same church here. Verse 11, for you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God. So it's not our worth, it's God's worth. We're to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. 
So God has called us, we should be thankful for salvation through Jesus Christ. But it doesn't end there, does it? In fact, there is a, uh, an old Christian hymn, some of you may have heard, called Just As I Am. And the verse says this, Just as I am, thou, God, will receive me, will welcome, will pardon, will cleanse, relieve. And those words are true. God reaches out and calls us just as we are. We don't have to reach a certain level of goodness for God to call us to salvation. He called us as we were, and thank God for that. But now that he's called us, and now that we've received salvation through Jesus Christ, we have a responsibility to do our best to live a life that mirrors that calling that shows our thankfulness for that calling. And you know what? God calls us just as we are, but he doesn't intend us to stay that way, to stay in the sins that he called us out of. We have a responsibility to do our best by the grace of God and by the strength of God to come out of that lifestyle, those old sins, and to begin to live a new life worthy of our calling. You know, God has invested a lot of time and effort in each of us. And now we need to let our lives reflect his efforts in us. Okay? There's a scripture that says that we should not quench the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is trying to bring about changes in our lives. Amen. Changes for the good. And we can't reject that. We need to participate in that and walk along the lines that the Holy Spirit is, is leading us. And what is God doing to us now that we have been saved? He's transforming us into the very likeness of Jesus Christ, day by day, month by month, year by year. And as we set out on a new year now, we, even though a lot of us are old timers in the church, we need to continue to look at our lives and ask ourselves the question, how are we living a life walking in our Christian walk in a way that reflects the calling, that shows to God and to ourselves that it was worth it for God to call us, to invest the time and effort in us. And our lives need to reflect that. So we need to look in the mirror constantly and see where are we still lacking in this regard? Amen. What are our lives like? Where do changes need to take place? Where do we need to make a New Year's resolution about ourselves? Something that needs to change for the better. Notice also, he uses it again in Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. Ephesians 4. Verse 1. You know, as, as Christians, as God's children, we can't think, well, God called me, and I'm happy with that. I've been saved by His grace, and I'm happy with that. And you just kind of go on drifting through life the same old way, with your same old problems, uh, your same old sins, your same old pulls in the wrong direction. No. He says here in Ephesians 4, verse 1, at this time he's in prison and Paul speaks to the church at Ephesus as a prisoner for the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of your calling, the, the calling you have received. And he gives us some, some tips on what that life should look like. 
walking worthy of your calling. Here, verse 2, be completely humble. That's a life that reflects being worthy of your calling. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. So that's what it means to walk worthy. May God count you worthy of his calling. That the time and effort he's invested in you is well spent. That he never regrets having called you to salvation in Jesus Christ. So the Christian life is a continual monitoring of how you're walking. Are you following the lead of the Spirit? The Spirit is trying to change you. The Spirit is trying to point out to you where your sins are. You know, when you do something wrong, when you commit a sin, it's the Holy Spirit that goes, wang, <laughs> why did you do that? And don't you know that that's wrong for a Christian to do that? And we need to respond to that. And when we see uh, areas in our lives where we're going the wrong way or we've fallen into some sort of a bad habit, that's the time to make a resolution. Whether it be at the start of the new year or whether it be in the middle of the year, the end of the year, you go before God and say, God, I'm sorry for this sin that I continue to commit. I ask your help. I repent of it, but Father, change me. And then as he continues to work with you and change you and, you know, give you other options rather than just sinning or hanging around with the wrong people who cause you to sin, you need to follow that lead. You don't have the strength to do it in and of yourself, but God will supply the strength for you. He'll provide ways out of the situation. You know, maybe you've gotten yourself into deep debt by crazy spending. Okay, the credit cards have gone wild. He's going to help you to uh, seek maybe help from a credit counselor or something like that. And then the strength to say no when you're tempted to buy again. And whether, as I said earlier, somebody's smoking, maybe the problem is gambling, whatever the case may be. God is there to supply the strength for you. But you have to live that life worthy of the calling that you've received. So we're called by God in his grace, but he doesn't expect us to just remain as we were when we were first called. Being saved is a wonderful thing, isn't it? Knowing that your sins have been forgiven past, present, and future. But once that happens, that's the justification part of your Christian life. Once that's complete, and it is for most all of us here in this room, the next step is sanctification. That's where the change takes place. That's where the Holy Spirit starts to chisel away every part of us that doesn't look like Jesus Christ. And sometimes that's the hardest part of being a Christian because old habits die hard. But that's what he's doing. That's what we're here for. We're changing. We are to walk in a manner that shows the worth of our calling. That's what Paul is saying. We're not worthy. Our calling is worth something special because God provided us through his grace. To be worthy of a high calling is to live in such a way that brings attention to the worth of your calling. You know, some people like to boast a lot verbally about being a Christian. 
You know, we all know that person who comes in the room and, you know, there's a Christian here in your midst now, and I'm going through, you know, I'm wearing the right clothing, and I've got the, you know, the big cross around the neck, and, you know, so everybody will know that I'm a Christian here. I don't necessarily encourage you to take that approach, because first of all, you're opening yourself up for big-time persecution, because nobody wants somebody around who thinks that they're better than everybody else. So I personally don't go around boasting that I'm a Christian. What I do is I let my conduct speak for itself. So that people see what you do and what you don't do. And you're not doing it in a self-righteous way. You're doing it in a humble way. And they start to put two and two together and they think there's something different about that person. You know, we're all using the worst kind of language in this office. But I've never heard him use that language. There's something different about him. And he's not going around correcting everybody and judging everybody. He's just doing his own thing humbly. Pretty soon they start thinking, I wonder what it is about him. Well, maybe he's a Christian. And then they begin to respect that. But you come in, you know, barge into the room telling everybody, well, there's a Christian here now. They're going to persecute you for that. But if they see you live your Christian life in a humble way, they're going to respect you. That shows that God's time and trouble on you has been worth it. That your calling has been worthwhile. So how do we make resolutions about ourselves? How do we do that? And I'm talking about a particular type of resolution now. I'm not talking about, you know necessarily looking for a new job or buying a new car or I'm talking about resolutions about yourself so Paul goes on to say let's turn back to our first scripture in 2nd Thessalonians and read the rest of what he said there 2nd Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 11 he says we constantly pray for you that our God may count you worthy of his calling, and notice now, and that by his power, you can't do it on your own. You can come up with resolutions and good ideas about how you'd like to change, but it's not gonna happen by your power. It's not gonna happen by pulling yourself up by your own bootstraps. That tends to fail, because we're all human and we're spiritually weak. But he says, and that by his, God's power, he may fulfill every good purpose, resolution, reform, whatever you want to call it, that has been prompted by your faith. He may fulfill every good purpose of yours and every act prompted by your faith. So in other words, we come up with the ideas. We see the flaws in ourselves. We know what needs to be changed. But it's by God's power that it's going to happen. And we can't do it on our own. So don't be afraid to take it before God in prayer. Say, Lord, I've got this weakness. Or, Lord, I really keep screwing up when it comes to this or that. You know, I look at myself and the first thing I always count is my relationship with my wife as a husband. Now, I can find out what I'm doing wrong very easily by asking my wife, dear, how can I become a better husband? Oh, she'll tell me. 
if I have the time, because <laughs> she's got a lot of points to, that she would, you know, very humbly bring up to me. But sometimes it's hard face to face. We need, it's better to look at yourself in the mirror, but you know what? I wouldn't dissuade you from asking somebody. You know, have you ever talked to your manager at work and say, you know what, my goal is to be the best employee I can be. What recommendations do you have for me? What do I need to do that I'm not doing? Or what do I not need to do that I'm doing on the job? And I'm sure if your manager was nice about it, he or she could bring up some good suggestions for you. Because sometimes we look at ourselves in the mirror and maybe we just showered or something and the mirror's kind of foggy <laughs> and we can't really see ourselves clearly. Other people can see ourselves clearly. And if you know, you got a, a good person you can count on, I'm sure that they would help you. So we come up with the ideas, then we take it to God. And say, Father, I've just been uh, informed <laughs> by my wife or by my husband that uh, I'm really lacking in this area as, as a, a husband or wife. And my goal is to be the best husband or wife I could be. You know, you want to be the best student you can be if you're still in school. You want to certainly be the best Christian you can be. And I know that you're transforming me. Where do I still lack? And I want to participate in this because I want to know that you're leading me and changing me. And when I see opportunities, I want to do all that I can. You know, what, what is your resolution for the new year? You want to be a better Christian. How can I do that, Lord? I, I'd like to serve in the community or serve the people that I come in contact with. How do I do that? How do I go about that? Lord, provide opportunities for me to serve other people, neighbors. Uh, maybe I, we got some elderly folks in the neighborhood nearby here, people that I know how about if I maybe just call them on a regular basis, see how they're doing, see if they need anything. If there's some folks around the neighborhood there who don't get around very much, or you know, just need somebody to talk to, provide opportunities for me to do that. Don't let people be afraid of me. Help me come across to them in the right way so they know I'm a friend and I just wanna help. Amen. So what do you wanna do? Where do you see yourself lacking? Are you too self-centered? You know, God has called you as a Christian to serve, to do good works. What good works can you do? What are some of your talents and abilities God has given you? How can those be used to help others? My wife, just the other week, you know, went crazy and cooked a whole ton of cookies. And she was passing them out in the neighborhood, passing them out to everybody, family members, just to kind of brighten their Christmas a little bit. What can you do? It could be as simple as a phone call to encourage people, to see if you can serve them in any way. So again, Paul is asking the congregation there, the ideas that you come up with, the purposes that you come up with that you would like to change in your life, you take them before God, and by His power you can accomplish those things. Amen. So should Christians make resolutions? Absolutely. Because I know myself and I know all of you and there's no perfect Christian sitting there or standing here today. We all have areas where we still need to grow. Amen. And when your resolution is fulfilled by the power of God, Paul says it becomes a good work of faith. 
And that's what we've been called to do. Hold your place there, just back here in Ephesians 2. Scripture that we just read, Ephesians 2.10. We're saved by grace, not by works. Verse 10, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. That's our purpose, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So God is more than willing to bring about changes in you. But it's good for you to come up with the ideas. It's good to you, for you to get to the point where you can see yourself as you truly are and humbly admit to God, God, this is one of my shortcomings. I'm too self-centered. I'm not serving enough. Help me to do it. Give me ways to do it. Provide opportunities to do it. But help me to do it with a good attitude. You know, I may not be thanked for what I do. I may not even be acknowledged for what I do. But Jesus Christ wasn't acknowledged during his lifetime. But he got down on his knees and washed the disciples' feet because he came to be a servant. And we're to follow in his example. So he closes here in 2 Thessalonians uh, by saying this. Second Thessalonians one. Get my place here. Verse twelve. We pray this so that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you. So when you get to the point where you're beginning to change and you're putting forth the effort, empowered by God, and changes start to happen for the better, who gets the glory for it? Not you. <laughs> Jesus Christ gets the glory for it. All glory goes to him. So that Jesus Christ may be glorified in you. So we're not here for the glory. We're not seeking to make changes in our lives for any kind of glory. If anybody's to be gloried, it's the one who called us, the one who died for us, the one who rose back from the dead for us, for our benefit, to go and prepare a place for us. All glory goes to him. You know, people may come along and pat you on the back and say, hey, see, you're making some good changes in your life. Or I appreciate what you did for me. You served me or you did a good work for me. And they want to pat you on the back. No, the glory goes to Jesus. I'm a Christian and that's what I'm supposed to be doing. That's what you say. So I'm just trying to live up to what God's expectations are of me. If you, if you turn your resolution into works of faith, you know that God has done it for you. But notice what he says here. So that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and you in him. That we may be glorified in Jesus. Because we're being changed into his likeness. Your resolutions are becoming beautiful works of faith. You are moving from one degree of glory to another, the Bible says. So whatever thanks comes our way, it goes to Jesus Christ. Whatever good works we're able to accomplish, it goes back to Jesus Christ. Because he's the author of it all. He's the one who is enabling us to do it. And uh, I won't turn there, but it says in 2 Corinthians 3, verse 18. 2 Corinthians Corinthians 3, 18. And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, 
which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So in other words, any good thing we do in our lives as a Christian, all glory goes to God. He's the one who initiated it. He's the one who called it, called us to salvation through his grace. So you see, it starts with God's grace. Then he makes his power available to us. We have faith in that power. And then God fulfills our resolutions for good and turns them into good works. We're doing good works now. So by that, Christ is glorified and we are glorified in him. It all originated with God. It's empowered by God. It's inspired by God. But God appreciates it when we look at ourselves. You know, Christianity isn't a matter of saying, okay, God, you just do your thing and I'll wait to be changed. He wants us involved in it. He wants us to become aware of where we need to change. Humbly admit it to him. Seek help from him. And he loves working in unison with us to bring about those changes. So when the changes come, we don't take glory for ourselves. All glory goes to him. He's the one who started it. He's the one who empowers it. He's the one who brings it to a successful conclusion. So I challenge you as we begin a new year, take some time, take a good look at yourself, maybe over the course of several days. And first of all, see where you need to change. Sometimes our sins are just totally obvious to us. We know. If you don't know, ask somebody close to you. What do you need to work on this coming year? And then bring it before God. Pray about it, not just once, but on a continual basis and and say, this is my resolution, Lord. I want to change in this regard. I need to change in this regard. Because when I'm doing those things, I'm not reflecting you. I want to reflect you. And see, I challenge you, try it. See if it happens. It will. God will bring about changes in your life for the better. You will become more pleasing to him. You know, he loves you totally. But it excites him and it pleases him when those changes begin to take place. And we'll always remember it's not us doing it. I've tried to keep resolutions in the past and they've all failed, most all of them. But now I know by the grace of God and by the strength of God, they will succeed. And I will change in ways that truly please God and all glory goes to him for it. So I challenge you all, this uh, start of this new year, let's get on the ball. We don't bring the changes about ourselves, but God will do it through us and with us and see what happens. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the insight today on resolutions and having the resolve and the determination to see changes in our lives. And Father, we're happy and willing to work hand in hand with you as you use your power and your wisdom to change us. And we know in all of our lives, there's still a lot of room to improve. Help us to take one area at a time, focus on it and work on it, Father and continually come to you in prayer and let you provide opportunities for us to bring that change about, to see needs in the community, to see what our strengths and what our talents are that can be used to help others and to serve others. But Father, we wanna be more pleasing in your sight. So please help us in this regard. 
Thank you, Father. We love you, and we pray this now in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Okay, we'll have a 